0: L I G H T, come and light the fight with Heidi and me. What's up, everybody? This is light the fight. That's
1: pretty good. That in, feels in definitely- honor,
0: <laughs> in honor to all those. All joking aside, to all those poor cheerleaders and football players throughout the United States that aren't able to play football this season. That, even though you'll never hear this, that was for you. Um, that man,
1: was very
0: Oh, man, I'm sad there may not be a college football season for, for my college football team, man. They, they may take the whole season off, I just found out. So I don't know. So gloomy times, I... I thought I'd start off with a little fake cheer. You like that cheer, Heidi?
1: I like that cheer a lot. It always amazes me how you can rhyme on the fly like that. Do you guys, you know, you guys know that David's secret, what he wants to be, what he wants to be when he grows up is a rapper.
0: Well, some people in school they did the same where they listened to the teacher, right? Like paid attention. Other people were beatboxing, playing drums with the pencils on the desk, and trying to distract everyone who was trying to pay attention. Let's I was try the to latter. Guess which
1: one was it? Was I it. was the
0: latter. And then in that process, I thought if I could put my name and rhyme it perfectly in popular songs that people knew, I would get a laugh. And so what I did was I. Did that all day every day at school. So I apologize to everyone who had to sit next to me in school. I'm sorry for being a nuisance.
1: You know, you get good at what you practice, right, David?
0: Yeah, I, I got really good. At, you know, talking talking to people that didn't want to talk. Turned out, it became my profession. Everybody was like, Shh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to pay attention. I'm, like, I'm trying to pay attention. I'm like, yeah, but it's boring. Why would you want to do that? And they'd be like, okay, he's got a good point. I'm like, man, he's convincing.
1: I know there are, there has to be things in our youthfulness that somehow has turned into our strengths as adults, Mm. right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I will say this, that every single one of my report cards from the time I was in kindergarten to the very end of school was talks too much. And I still, I still have that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh well i think no one has a hard time believing that so we'll just move on from that <laughs> simple truth that's not like a that's not like a news flash. i'm just I'm, like, yeah
1: i own it i'm wearing it like a badge of honor <laughs> you're living in your truth that's right <laughs>
0: it's just <laughs> not. it's just hey. not it's just not that flattering
1: <laughs> i try to occasionally care about what other people think too yeah
0: Oh wait, hey, we're supposed to, we're doing a podcast here. Our file, guys, we forgot you guys were with us. This is still Light the Fight bantering and occasionally Light the Fight podcast. I uh, is David.
1: And I'm I'm Heidi. I'm not I isn't Heidi. I is I'm just Heidi.
0: Yeah. He always and tries to get me to
1: do that. He always tries to get me to say I is Heidi. It's not I know be.
0: that's what I'm trying to do. And <laughs> and if you're thinking, did he just like say I is? And if you think that I lack intelligence, you are correct, but not because of that statement. I meant to say that. I'm just trying to get Heidi to say (laughs)
1: that. I'm never going to.
0: No. no. I'm not going to fall into your traps. Well, thanks for having chores to do or a ride, a long drive that, you know, you just had time to kill and and joining us here at Life to Fight. Um, You know, before we get started, as always, want to thank our our, our community sponsor, 1-800-CONTACTS. Big shout out to them. If they could see us right now, if you could see us right now, I'm raising the roof for one contacts. <laughs> for those of you who aren't from the 80s or 90s, you take your hands, okay? Put your elbows to your side, put your flops your palms up towards the ceiling, and just push your hands like you're raising something up towards the ceiling. That is the official raise the roof. There you go. <laughs> so you can't say it and learn anything here at Light to Fight. That's what he but, does um, when he's
1: DJing for himself, you guys. Oh, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I uh, want to give a big shout-out to one of Context and thank him for their continued support of Life Fight podcast. And I also wanted to have Heidi share something. She's a little trickster. Hi- Heidi's out there trying to – out there getting information, and so she did one of these things where it's called a poll, right? You know, Indeed. asking some questions. And that's a very good way for – for her to get information, but for us to also get information here and light the fight. So Heidi, our community reporter, our community uh, what do we used to call you? The um, correspondent. The shame. The shame correspondent. <laughs> Heidi. Heidi goes out there and looks to be offended or upset at things. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but she just goes well, out there and have experiences. So tell us the experience you had with with running this. Maybe. Like what, how you decided to do it or like, what, what, what were you thinking? And then what okay, So
1: in this particular situation, if you guys follow me on Instagram at Heidi Swap, if you don't, you should, cause I'm really entertaining.
0: Absolutely. I'm yep. super-
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so I have been for about four months. I think this is, I'm going on my fourth month, May, June, July. Yeah. My fourth month I'm teaching an online class. About journaling, documenting with some bedazzle. I will admit yeah. it right here. It's not just regular journaling, it's cool journaling. Um, and he, here's the thing so, for this is kind of sounds like a, a shameless plug for my workshop, but really just, just
0: information.
1: <laughs> really just need to explain this. So, okay. um, for the last, so since 2014 six years, I have created, every year I've created a product called a memory planner, which is weird um, because we all know what like Franklin Covey planner is. And that kind of paper planner went away when um, in like 2010, 11, when the iPhone came out, everyone's like, oh, I don't need a paper planner because I've got this nifty um electronic version. And then people started realizing like, okay, I need to put down my phone for one thing. And then they started wanting to plan on paper again. And there became to be like all these studies about how valuable it is to actually write things down. And for me, um as a memory keeper, I was getting really far behind on like my traditional scrapbook and this is a long story. And I started to like call it micro journaling, which is a calendar based or like, like a planner, but you document something about every day. And for me, what it does is it helps. And I call it stop the blur. So have you ever been in a situation, David, where you're like, Oh, and, and you have, cause I've heard you say it before. Oh, this week was just a blur. Yeah, or
0: absolutely. Oh my gosh,
1: this, you know, the summer was just a blur or yes. this whole semester has just been a blur. Yeah. And we say that all the time because what's happened is all the experiences that we have are just flailing around in our insider consciousness and outside our consciousness, but we yeah. haven't really, like, processed them. They're just out there spinning around, right? Yeah. So the name of my workshop is actually called Stop the Blur, which is – what you do when you actually write down an experience, you write down what happened because then it's no longer a blur. You actually remember it. Okay. Yeah. So for me personally, it's become a very powerful mental health um, tool for me, not only because they the creative outlet, which isn't important for me personally, but writing down and stopping the blur, gives me a chance to just kind of like bring everything into focus, acknowledge how I felt about it, whether it was a high or a low or who the heck knows and own it. Whatever that is, I'm writing it down. I'm acknowledging that it happened and it allows me to process through all the things. Right. And so, um, okay. So that's part of like my sales pitch on this class is, that a lot of us just feel out of control Um, and and that to me is kind of a function of like if you go back to pre-covid life you know that was i think a lot of things we talked about with COVID is that we slowed down and so it helped us maybe not feel as chaotic um anyway today i decided to just kind of lob some questions out into the interwebs on my instagram stories And I did it this afternoon. um, And from from about now, I I have about 5,000 people who have participated in this poll. So I'm going to go ahead and share with you kind of what I learned. Um, The first thing I asked um, again, and so just kind of think in your head about 5,000 people responded to this. And these are 5,000 people, like, all. All over um, whatever time zone people are actually awake in the last, you know, eight hours or something. Um, So the first question is Do you feel like this time of life is taking a toll on your mental health? 86% said yes, 14% said no. The next question I asked is Have you noticed increased anxiousness and stress? 89% said yes. Then I asked, Are you finding intentional ways to care for your personal mental health? 69% said yes. So 31% said no. And the last question that I asked was Do you have go to activities or solutions that you know work? To support your mental health 42% said they don't know what to do and 58% said they know what works for them um and then I asked what is your favorite thing to do to improve your mental health and I got 1500 responses which is a lot I don't usually get that many responses um when I ask people like what their favorite kind of colored pencils are um, <laughs> so I think what happened is that you know obviously there was a lot of people that that are experiencing this right now yeah so I went through all of these responses and I did not do a thorough counting of what the responses were but they're basically yeah. three categories the categories were probably what you would imagine um the number one response was Going outside to either garden or exercise. So I kind of clumped and that was out- an
0: answer to which question?
1: Um, what's your favorite thing to do? Gotcha. To care for your mental health.
0: Going so outside. number
1: one, number one answer, going outside. And some people said exercise, some people said gardening, walking, whatever. Um the second um response was crafting. And we also have to consider the audience.
0: <laughs> yeah. I probably you know, why, have more questions than
1: exercisers. I'm going to be honest.
0: I would expect that they weren't going to answer powerlifting. All
1: right. There was no jujitsu here.
0: Okay. No okay. Um,
1: and then it kind of, the third thing I would say is meditation or prayer and scriptures. And again, like I said, these are all some mothers. <laughs> Um and then you know it kind of fragments down into people who are saying getting off social media, not watching the news, um therapy, um being talking to friend talking to a friend, having some therapy, you know, things like that. So what I thought was pretty awesome is that as Adults. A lot of these people, like a majority of them, so let's go back to that again. Um, Sixty-nine percent have know what the intentional thing is that they need to do to kind of deal with stress and anxiety in their lives. Um, And I'm I'm one of them. I would consider myself to know that, like, if I'm having a bad day, I don't. Feel better when I like set some really high unachievable goal for myself. I feel better when I set a goal of self care for myself. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of had this experience where I'm noticing these elevated stress levels in my children. Um. I have, you know, one child at home in particular that tends to feel more stressed than another child at home. And um, so I was asking her (laughs) uh, what, I was asking her these questions. And she admitted that she feels um, like her mental health has taken a toll. She feels more stressed, anxious. And I asked her if she knows If if she is intentional about her mental health. And she kind of looked at me like, what does intentional mean? And then um, I said, well, what do you like to do when you feel stressed? And she said, watch TikTok for hours (laughs) on end. Um, And I kind of went, oh, that's probably not, The number one best thing I will say to you, not one person on my Instagram poll wrote watch hours of TikTok. Capri was the only one that wrote that. Yeah. (laughs) There's an edge disparity. You know, there's a bias, a bias in my poll, my polling. Of course,
0: of course.
1: Um, But I thought it was really telling i was glad to see that so many of the people that follow me find that crafting is relieving for their mental emotional health um and i'm the same way i really love to be outside it's far more comforting to me to go outside and walk or hike than it is for me to go downstairs and try to do like an exercise video yeah um But I think that right now, as we're being honest with ourselves across the board, that our circumstances are taking a toll on our mental health. And I I don't think anybody listening to this podcast would dispute that at all. Um, I don't think anybody would dispute that. Um, It's definitely time to ask ourselves, what are we doing about that? How are we modeling that with our children? And are we having conversations, like open, candid conversations about what are we doing? What can we try to do to relieve that anxiousness and stress that we're going to inevitably feel? Especially, you know, as we go back to school with no extracurricular activities, with masks on, not being allowed to carry backpacks or, you know, whatever. All those stipulations
0: are. Yeah, you know, first of all, I'm glad you did that poll. And, you know, I, I think it's pretty telling. Um, it, those numbers are very high. And, like you said, everyone kind of acknowledges that this is, you know, a very difficult and challenging time. And anything that's difficult and challenging that people go through usually takes a toll on their psychological, mental, and emotional well being. Um, <clears throat> but one thing that that I think um, fortunately enough, we have some questions that are going to help us with this. But one thing that I think that we, we try to do a really good job here on the podcast is to acknowledge that the people listening to this podcast are the ones that have the greatest influence. Meaning you're looking for something that's going to help you have a conversation with your kid or loved one, handle a situation with tact or an approach that, Maybe is outside of of what you were taught when you're when you're raised or other experiences that you might have had with other kids in your family you know you might have a kid that you know is is bringing problems and situations to to your family that you've never had to deal with before, and you know if if you're looking for something like information on how to have a better family, how to be a better parent, how to have good close relationships with your loved ones. And how to take care of your mental and emotional health, then listening to a podcast like this should really give you one main overarching thing. It's all on you. Like no, I no know pressure, it's weird. Really, uh, huh? Yeah. It's, no pressure, it, guys. It's, yeah, no pressure. What I mean it's all on you is that it's all on you because all eyes are on you. If you're a parent, which I assume if you're listening to this, you're a parent or about to be one all eyes are always on you. You're center stage. Well, at least for 18 years. And when you're center stage and all eyes are on you, if if your kids, using this example, if you're trying to be a better parent, if your kids, if you want them to learn how to handle difficult, stressful things, you don't want to blast them and like tell, tell them 10 things that they need to do. Intuitively, we all know that Setting up some sort of scenario, setting up some sort of situation where you guys can work on it together or come up with a solution and figure it out. Involving them, that's, that's how your kid's going to learn, especially as they get older. But when we're not involving them, when we're questioning them, when, when we're fearful and, and we're coming at them um, in a way that's even very typical to maybe the way our parents handled us when we are growing up, if we're not figuring out different ways to handle you know, the problems and challenges in our families, then we're going to feel stressed and feel like we've, we've figured everything out. But by listening to this podcast and doing things such as this, you're willing to take risks. You're willing to accept that, hey, I haven't figured everything out. If someone else has some good tips and some good pointers, then I'm game to give it a shot. And I just want everybody to know that because, you know, when, when Heidi's talking about, you know, the quarantine and, and the questions that we have coming up, they're all revolving around people concerned and worried about their kids. But everyone has different influences and different ways to influence your kids. I want you to figure out what is the best ways for you to influence. Now, I'm saying kids. We could be referring to your job situation, um, some mental health stresses because of the quarantine. Whatever it is that stress or that challenge you know in, in front of you right now that you're saying, hey, listen, I want to get better at this and, and, and I want to do that. Then being able to model that And exemplify a reaction that you would want people around you to also have in that situation is by far the best way to do it. So, I always applaud everyone that listens to this podcast or any podcast or reads any good books where you're just trying to step up your game. You're trying to figure out how do I handle maybe some of the situations that you've had to deal with in the past, but now COVID's made it more difficult. But, how do you handle difficult situations better? How do you get better at doing? Or handling difficult things, and if you get better at that, guess what? your example and your modeling of how to handle those situations also gets better.
1: Yeah Well, do you want to just jump into a question?
0: Yeah, let's, let's jump into some questions.
1: Okay, I'm going to share this question that, that came in um, and this I can tell this is a soul sister of mine because she wrote this super long I do, I do. question, and then she like. Thought to herself, David is gonna want me to say this again with less words, and then she did that.
0: <laughs> because
1: I like she's, but because she's my soul sister, I'm gonna yeah. read to you the wordy part, and then. And by the we- way,
0: for by the way, for everyone out there that if you're sending questions, if you give me a long wordy part, that's totally fine, that's totally okay. But Heidi knows because she's worked with me and I worked with her family that the long wordy parts sometimes need to be shaved down to the point where you get more done. Yeah.
1: You know? And it's true. Okay. So, um, she's talking about someone who's going to be a junior in high school. Um, she says, you know, everything is going to be distance learning where they are at least through the end of the year, sports and extracurriculars on hold. Um, her son's life of activities and social experiences have ground to a fast halt, just like, you know, everybody has. Um, And there's no sign of improvement in the near or distant future. I don't know how to help him. I don't know how to fill the void that the loss of track, cross country, speech, debate tournaments, running the student assemblies through student government. I don't know how to provide the growth opportunities that these activities would have given him at this fabulous point in his life. So here she comes with like, okay, that was a lot. Let me rephrase. She says, I guess the question is, what growth opportunities can I create for a 16 year old during the pandemic when there are, when there's nothing in high school, no activities, no clubs and no social interaction?
0: It's a great question. And the number one growth activity I think should be, I'm speaking to this woman. Uh, number one growth activity should be the growth of you and your son's relationship, not his own personal growth. And well, first of all, you have you have influence, a greater influence over you and his relationship than you do his own individual personal growth at this age in his life. So, let me paint a picture for you. If you're a parent that sees your kids struggling, which all those things you said, you, if you're a good parent. And especially if you're a good mom, you're going to feel your son's pain. You're going to be, your heart's going to be wretched. Every time he's sad and he's like, leave me alone. I'm just mad because my school and this, you're going to be like, you're going to be thinking about what could I bake him, make him, buy him? What could I do to take this pain away from my baby boy? And I'm not making fun of moms. I'm saying that's no, just a natural 100%. thing. Totally natural. Like it's, not, it's you just You don't have to be a
1: good mom to have this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can be a mom that
0: still parties. For you can be a marginal
1: mom and still feel bad. <laughs> and still feel bad, right? And feel bad,
0: right? So, you know, if, 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 if you're a mom, you know, and, and, and you're in a situation where you're, uh, or let's speak specifically this mom. With this mom in this situation, it's going to be painful for you to watch. But he's learning how to deal with pain by watching you handle his pain so if the way you handle this is to constantly bake him cookies and buying him things and doing everything to try to well can I do this for you can I do that for you even though at times it may be relieving even though at times he may accept it if it's money or fun things whatever not only does it not actually help what it doesn't do is it doesn't get you respect it doesn't allow you to be a parent that he sees as being strong and capable it looks like you're a scared parent that's trying to soften the blow of all the hardships because it looks as if even you think this is horrible as a parent that's lived a long life you have to model this isn't horrible this is extraordinarily painful and unfortunate but horrible is a whole nother level you know as adults you're probably more likely to experience horrible more horrible painful things than your kids but for them Acknowledging that this is difficult, acknowledging that this is a hard time for them, allowing them to, to to get those things off their chest. And for this mom, having your son complain and you just sitting with it and be like, oh man, like this pains me to hear me, but you know, I'd rather you vent about it and get it off the chest instead of being all pent up. And just tell me, tell me, tell me what you're thinking. He could be like, this is BS, but let him rant. If it's a moment where he needs to rant, let him rant and say this is unfair. Don't try to say, hey, you know what? well, you know, the principal is doing the best they can. Don't defend anyone. Don't come to anyone's aid. Let your son or whoever you are out there listening to this, I'm talking to this woman right now, but let your son or your daughter or your child, let them go through it and show them that you're feeling what they're feeling, but you're not thrown off and you're not frantically trying to create some sort of happiness for them. Now, it doesn't mean you can't do nice things for your kids. It doesn't mean that I'm suggesting that, you just go, hey, listen, you know, you got to deal with it and toughen up. No, that, that's the old school way, just like deal with it and toughen up. The new school way is the more the coddling, like how can I stop you from feeling that? The partnership way is like it sucks. Come on, tell me how bad it sucks. Yeah, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. All right, well, I'll tell you what, if it's going to suck really bad, might as well suck with some good food in your stomach. We're going to go to this restaurant. Let's go. You just keep it moving. You don't want to sulk in it. and That's an art form in itself to address it but to not like bathe in the pain, not to like, cause as a parent, last thing you want to do is you want to show up and validate their feelings. But if you show up and validate their feelings too often, too much, guess what? They're survivors, your little teenagers and they're manipulators. They will use that to pull on your, your heartstrings to get something else from you. Then when you realize you're being taken advantage of a little bit, you're going to take it personal as if they're taking advantage of you. When in reality, they're just teenagers trying to get what they want. It's just a, it's just a thing that teenagers do. So that can cause some problems in the relationship. It's really important as a parent that you, your kids get to see you handling them going through a difficult time is if you're 100% confident they're going to come out of it. You don't have to have proof that they're going to come out of it. You don't have to know that they're going to come out of it because you've never been through a quarantine, but you do have to exemplify and model for them that you believe that your family, them, and you have what it takes to come out of it. And any hardship they're going, you'll sit there with them you'll sit there with them. And when they're done complaining or done going through that, then you'll keep it moving.
1: You know, I, I want to, I would like to add two thoughts um, on what you said, because I really like what you said. The first one is that what she said is how can I provide growth opportunities for my son? And I think that one thing that I want to point out is that there are some amazing growth opportunities just in, in what's happening. So like, it's not like this is a – the fact that it's different doesn't mean that it's it's bad. It's not what we expected, and that's hard. One of the things that David said to me, actually right before we came on air, is he said that you have to – you remember what you said, David, about the pill?
0: Oh, yeah. you want to say
1: it? No, you say it.
0: I, I said uh, – I was talking to a client recently, and I said something along the lines of, Um, you got to swallow the pill of your ideal. Swallow the pill of your ideal. I mean, like, we all have our ideal situation. And I hear this from young people, but I hear it from adults too. This isn't fair. If COVID didn't happen, then this wouldn't have happened. If this wouldn't happen, like, my life would have been so much better. And, you know, we're almost at five months into this. So if you're still in that place, and you're still really just kind of in those muddy waters of like, Bah, huh, like, this is unfair. This is not right. I can't believe this is happening. Well, then guess what you're not doing. You're probably not moving forward and progressing a lot. It's the old, you know, you can't like protect yourself and progress at the same time. You know, you can't like, you know, like just try to make sure everything's safe and be able to move forward because moving forward takes a little bit of risk.
1: I, I want to repeat what you just said, because I wrote it down. It really struck me because you said, if we aren't, if we are protecting we're not progressing. And, you know, I just, I'm quickly, and, and I, I don't know if we're trying to rapid fire, but we're failing at the rapid fire. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I want to just share, like, recently, um, and I've talked about this a little bit in, in a couple of past episodes, my daughter, uh, Quincy, my oldest daughter, was called to serve a mission for our church, and she um, was called back in February before you know, the pandemic was out. And so at that time when she accepted the call and I accepted the call in of my portion, (laughs) um, you know, I was mentally prepared that she would, you know, we would get her packed up. We would send her to the training center. She would learn the language and then she would go, like I was mentally prepared for everything that was going to happen. And I actually served a mission and I know what it was like to go to that training center. And I know the experience that I had, and when I found out she couldn't go to the training center, I was crushed. Like I was sobbing because I was sad and carrying this burden that she wouldn't get to have this experience. And um. And she doesn't even know she's missing out. on, did Right. She didn't even know. And so then I had to kind of do what you just suggested. I had to swallow the pill of well. Okay. This isn't. This isn't what I wanted, and so I accepted it, and it actually turned out to be a great experience for her and for me. Was it ideal? Was it what I thought it was going to be? Was it what we even signed up for? No, but it was a growth experience 110%, and it was hard for me to swallow that pill, and I choked it up and gagged it up several times, if we're being honest, but I... In this situation, it benefited both of us more than just if Quincy would have gone to the Mission Training Center and I just would have stood there clapping for myself in the mirror of what a great job I did, you know, as a mom or whatever, you you know, I I was doing and I didn't have to, I didn't have to learn something. If Quincy was going to the MTC and everything was how it was, I didn't have to learn anything. Maybe that was part of why I was so frustrated. But in this circumstance, as we as parents sit in this with our children, and we also share the fact that they're missing their senior year on on the football team or they're not going to be in that debate tournament that they they finally were going to be the number one person on that team, we're actually sharing this experience And what David said very first is, don't worry about so much the personal growth development, worry about the the development of your relationship. Can you join together in this and give up the protection of your sadness, give up the protection of the ideal, give up the protection of the unknown or the known, and bravely enter into the situation open to progression. Because that's the growth opportunity that we're
0: talking about. Well, yeah. If if you're if you're a highly trained athlete and you're getting ready for a big time event, as the event comes, if it looks really, if the competition looks unbeatable, if the situation looks dire, like you're not going to win, you've got know, coaches saying, "Hey, listen, tell you what, you know, let's just, you know, let's let's just slow down the training a little bit. You're not going to be able to get there. Let's just back it up. Um, you know, let's let's not put in too much effort in this. Tell you what." Forget about your diet. Let's go get some pizza. Let's just enjoy this whole moment, experience, and opportunity. It's not even take it that serious. It's that's not what motivators, coaches, leaders. That's not what they do. You're they don't say, this. "Oh my." They don't say, "Oh my gosh, this is such a hard thing. Let's make it easier on you." They say it's hard, which is why we're making the training, and the preparation even harder. Like we're we're constantly pushing. And how could you give that confidence as a coach to an athlete? If you do not believe in their potential, every athlete needs their coach. Every musician needs, you know, their, their, you know, music teacher to believe in them. Right. Our so kids, this
1: is why we usually don't want the parents to be the coaches. Exactly. Our kids
0: need the same thing for us. Yeah. We can have our fears, our criticisms, but when it, when it first comes to shove, we've we got to be the, their best, you know, wingman. We've got to be in their corner. And this is an opportunity where you to help grow the relationship, talking to the woman who gave him this question, great opportunity for you to help grow the relationship between you and your son, because you are not just the launching pad for him to go into adult life. You're a, you're a safe place and a safe person to come talk to. So if you're helping him get through it by not trying to like make this senior year or things junior or high school, you know, perfect for him. And just as he goes through the struggle, just sit with them in the struggle. Say, Hey, if you need anything, let me know and give him space. Too many moms up there tell me, Um, not up there, but out there ask me like, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? Nine times out of 10 in these types of situations, like you're doing too much. Like you need to do less. You need to show more confidence in short statements and then support on the back end. But when your kids are going through quarantine, they're pissed off and bitter and upset. If you're trying to jump and trying to satisfy every bad mood that they have, oh my gosh, you're gonna be out of energy, exhausted, and you're gonna be getting frustrated because they're always gonna be, not they're always gonna be, but there's always gonna be something for them to be irritated and frustrated with that the quarantine is messed up about their life.
1: You know, as I read the next two questions that yeah. um that came in, they're
0: they're kind of the same?
1: Well they're both different. Circumstances, but I almost think, kind of like, often, the answer's the same to yeah. different questions, which is kind of what I think was a hard question, a hard thing I had to learn about therapy, was when I thought that I had to actually tell you every single detail of everything that I've ever experienced since I was a kindergartner, so that you could understand it, so that you could actually yeah. understand <laughs> it. personally when. When what I learned was that actually they're the same response for a lot of different circumstances. So I just want to kind of ha- give you a chance to illustrate that with two other questions that, that yeah. have come in.
0: Do, do we have time? Do we want to answer one now and save one for next week?
1: Well, we sure could.
0: We okay. sure could. But, yeah. and
1: so let me just throw this out. This mom is actually talking about a, a son who has graduated and is moving from high school into college. And she says that he goes, he's gone from at the beginning of last year, one year ago at this time, um, a student, student body president, very confident and super involved. um, To suffering severe depression that was completely unlike him. And in, since that, since last time, this last year at this time, he has basically done a 180 and now he's severely depressed, floundering, lacking um, enthusiasm, doesn't have the same drives that he used to have. And she says, I'm just trying to figure out the best way to help him during this new phase of life. He's the best kid, and my heart is breaking to help him.
0: Well, you're right. There's a lot of similarities uh, with what I said before, so I'm not going to get too long-winded. The best way to help someone is to sit with them and to really put yourself in their shoes and try to understand where they're coming from. But as any listener of ours knows, you got to do that without asking a bunch of questions. And maybe some people are calling me mentioning this, but in some tribes they had different names for them, but it's basically like a, a, an emotional medicine man or woman. Um, I believe in translation, I remember I was reading about this one tribe, they called them like a sitter, um, like because it was someone that would sit with you and do your work with you, do your chores with you, whatever it may be. And when someone was going through depression or something really bad, someone would kind of just show up and start sitting with them, and it was their job kind of like an organic job, but they'd sit with that person, they'd help them out, and then um, when you know, the person felt better, they stopped sitting with them. And the whole entire point of that is that being questioned and being interrogated and someone having this huge intention to try to help you from your depression that you may not even understand how it happened or what's going on can unfortunately put pressure on the person that you're trying to help that they have to figure it out and they have to do it in a time that's okay with you because you don't want to burden someone. You don't want someone well, to have to always be there for you.
1: Them feel responsible for how bad yeah. you feel about the situation. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And so um, anyways, maybe a long was short is that um, we have to know what someone's really going through and you don't get to know what someone's going through by asking them questions and having them explain. You get to go, you get to know what someone's going through by just sitting with them, spending time with them, hearing out all their complaints, anger, and frustration, and sadness, and every now and then, they'll bring something else up. But prompting and trying to be their counselor and, and trying to correct their feelings or change their feelings, none of that happens in my experience until you sat with someone long enough. And a lot of times for me as a professional, I'll have to do that for multiple sessions, before I can really do anything really deep and inspiring for some people because some people, it just takes a little while for your frequency and their frequency to come together. And next thing you know, they just go, okay, here's my life story. (laughs) Some people say it off the bat and other people, it just has to be this more, it has to take some time to get on the same wavelength. And as a parent, when you're watching your kid go through depression, struggling, you're fearful for the future, how can you sit with them when you're out in front, fearing for them, scared for them, that's that, that's that's not that's not the, the med- emotional medicine man or woman approach. The Emotional medicine man or woman approach is I got to get to know what you're going through. The only way I get to got the only way I can get to know what you're going through is I got to sit with you. I got to be around you. You know, got to be familiar with what it's like for you. So that, that's how I'd answer that question. Work on making your kids feel more safe, more secure. I'm talking about the ones who are showing depression and might be bottling a lot of stuff up. Make them feel more safe and secure, but also remember you're also their coach and their best mentor. Don't give them those little cheesy like, oh my gosh, you got out of bed before noon and brushed your teeth. I'm so proud of you. That's so amazing. Don't do that for a 17-year-old because you shouldn't be proud of that and that's definitely not amazing. There's nothing amazing about that. But what you want to do is, if they do something like clean the room, walk by and look at their room, say, "Right on, I appreciate it." let just keep walking. Just little, slight, little compliments, little mic drops. That's an easier way because think about it. I don't think any human being really takes compliments well. For those people who aren't narcissistic or you know have some serious <laughs> mental health issues, most human beings, if to different various degrees, it's hard to take a compliment. We like them. We appreciate them, but they're not always easy to accept. They're not always easy That's to so take. <laughs> so imagine if you're a parent trying to give a compliment to your teenager or your adult child who's feeling down and depressed, especially because you're the parent. It's going to come with not a lot of weight behind it because it's easy for them to say, well, you're my parent. You know, you're just saying that you, it you to love to me. Even yeah, even if they appreciate it, they know you You know, you know have to say that. That's why when I suggest people make those you know, bold statements, it's really bold and it is mic drop. It's like, hey, listen, I know you're depressed right now. I know you're struggling. And I also know this is not who you are. I changed your diapers as a kid. I know who you are. This is what you're going through. Trust me. Yeah, you didn't clean up your room, do anything I asked you to do. And yeah, I'm not happy about that. And I'm also happy that we're talking right now, that we had dinner tonight. You know, that, that's how you just keep the conversations going. People like to talk to people who they don't have to have their guard up around thinking that that person is going to ask a question or do something to trigger their insecurities and shame. If you're a parent that can sit with your child while they're struggling, they will eventually start talking. I guarantee it. They'll open up. They, you just, you can't give up too soon. You got to stay in character and you got to stay in the role.
1: You know, if anything, I think this time of weirdness, pandemic, quarantine, all the things, it is a really obvious opportunity for conversation. And, um, you know. And in- to share or- humanity. Yes. And for parents,
0: for parents to say, I'm scared too, or I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Like, you can be a human with your kids. Uh,
1: you know, and so I think even today as we, as we wrap up, that would be my kind of parting thoughts is have the conversation. No matter where your kid is at, you know that there's some heightened something. You're feeling it too. Have the conversation, you know. Um, so as always, you guys, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you passing on um, to those who may need this information. Um, I'm always continuously amazed at how many people I run into and um, am introduced to that have found the podcast at a very indifferent. different places and needs. And um, so if you run into somebody who needs this information, um, we sure appreciate you sharing it. And of course, forever, we thank you for helping us to light the fight.